0: Thanks for listening to the New Life Church of podcast. We're glad that you're joining us today. You're about to hear message audio from one of our weekend services, but before you do, just want to remind you, you can tap the link in the description or text Cersei to 88,000 to get connected and stay up to date with what's going on on our campus at all times. You can give online, join a live group, or find more information about joining a serve team as well. You can also request prayer. We love praying for the needs of our church every single week. If you have a prayer request, tap the link in the description or, again, text Cersei to 88000 for more information. All right. Well, good morning. Um, She said, as Kevin comes up to prepare a psych... Uh, (laughs) I told somebody web here, it's like, prepare to be disappointed, because you guys get me today. Uh, thank you guys for being here. Uh, we have, uh, the last month or so, we've been in a series called There Is No Plan B, and if you have missed any of these weeks, I encourage you, hop online, go on YouTube or the podcast, and just go and listen, because it's been so good uh, giving some just vision for our, our, our church, uh, some, some stuff for our campus specifically, kind of where we're at. Uh, Just a quick recap to kind of let you know, Uh, week one, uh, Pastor Rick challenged us to this there is no plan B mentality, basically saying, you know what, this this, I love Jesus, I'm all in, love the local church, serve it, do whatever I can mentality should be our only mentality. We shouldn't have a backup plan, there shouldn't be something else behind us. It is a no-plan-B situation. Week two, Kevin talked about being spirit-led, following the example of the church uh, in Acts chapter 2 and what that looked like, being spirit-led, serving one another, helping each other out. Week three, he talked about outliving your life. What you do here uh, matters for generations. It goes beyond just you. It impacts your children and people beyond yourself. And then last week, uh, he talked on, I'm going to be honest with you, one of probably the best messages I have heard him speak on generosity and what it means to be a generous people. If you missed last week or you need a reminder, please go online and watch it. This week, we're wrapping up the series um, with, with just a simple call to action. And if you're a note taker, I love talking to the note takers because I believe note takers are history makers and they get to heaven first. So... If you don't take notes, you got to wait in line. Everybody else gets, uh, the, it's like that Disney pass. It gets you right in. But this morning, I want to talk about living on mission. Living on mission. As a church, what does it look like for us to live on mission? As a, and as individuals, what does it look like? And how can we live on mission? What I'd love to do right now is I want every person in this room just to close your eyes. 100% participation very quickly. I'm not going to be here long. Some of you would fall asleep if I stay here too long. Just close your eyes for just a second. Everybody. And I want you to think of two people in your life that do not know God. Chances are all of us know at least two people that do not know God. Think about them. Picture their face. I want you to think about their name. How do you know them? What's your relationship with them? How close are you to them? Get a clear image of these people in your mind for just a second. Now, I want you to open your eyes, and I want, I want this to sink in for just a second, because there's probably about 400 or so people, maybe a little bit more, in this room right now. And if every one of us thought of at least two people in our lives that do not know God, that number is about 800 or so. That's 800 people that this room right now has the ability to impact for Jesus. Jesus. And it proves that not everybody knows God. Some of you know a lot more people. Maybe some of you are struggling. We live in the Bible Belt. It's easy to confuse people who have heard about God and people who know God. And so for you, you may be struggling to think well, they've been to church before, but how many people really know God? And it proves that people may not know God, but they know you. And the question I want to ask this morning is if they know you, would they want Him? You are the catalyst, you are the bridge between many people and their view on God. So if they know you, do they want the God that you know and the God that we worship? That question, in short, is what it really means to live on mission. Every day is an opportunity. Every interaction is an opportunity. Every person that you meet, you are meant to be this vessel, this carrier of the gospel to people who don't know God, to show love to people that you know, and to give the hope of Jesus to people that may not know. And so there's a great example of this. I want to go to 2 Kings chapter 4. It's where I want to spend a big chunk. I'm going to kind of split this message into kind of two different halves. And the first half I'm going to spend in 2 Kings chapter 4. Verses 1 through 7, let's just go ahead and get there now. You can find it in the Bible app, by the way, or follow it on the screens. This this is what it says, 2 Kings 4.1. One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead. And you know how he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. And I want to pause there for just a second and kind of explain the situation before we go further into this. This woman's husband has died, we're not sure how, but whatever circumstance it was, they owed a debt to tax collectors and to creditors. And at this time in history, because of the way the world worked back then, no husband, no income. And so husband died and now she is in a a tough spot because she cannot, there is no steady income to pay back her creditors. And so the way this worked, the legal system would not allow her to declare bankruptcy so she would have to give her sons up as sl- into slavery as servants to the creditors in order to help pay off her debt. So this moment in her life is very weighty for her. There is a lot riding on this, and so she is in a desperate position. So she goes to Elisha, and she says all this. Elisha says, what can I do to help you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she replies with nothing at all except a flask of olive wool. Verse 3, and Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go to your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her. She filled one after another after another. It just kind of kept coming. Soon every container was filled to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons, and there aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, "Now sell the olive oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons can live on what's left over." This is a great story and it's a it's a beautiful picture of what it means for us to learn how to live on mission, to be used. This woman was in a position where she could be used. The vessels that she collected, these jars were in a position to be used. Elisha was able to be used by God in this moment. This is what it means for us to be used. So I want to use this story very quickly to give you three kind of main points of what it means to live a life on mission. Number one, note takers. Number one, write this down. Use what you have. You have to use what you have. Everybody say nothing. Nothing. Now, everybody say nothing, thank you. Nothing is too insignificant for God to use. There's nothing. A lot of times we approach church and we approach ministry and we approach kind of telling people who God is with this attitude of what I have disqualifies me or it's not good enough, I don't have what it takes to impact people's lives for Jesus. I love Jesus deeply But I don't know that I have what it takes to impact people and to make a difference. I can't sing like David or anybody on the worship team. I can't play an instrument. I can't speak like Kevin. I don't want to be in a room with kids. I don't know. My my home's not good enough to host a small group, and I'm not sure what that would even look like. I just don't feel like I have anything to offer to impact the kingdom. But I can promise you this. Nothing that you have is too small and insignificant for God to use. In verse 2, Elisha asks her, what do you have? And she says, nothing at all. And I like to, I'm a very visual person when I read scripture, and I like to picture when Elisha asked that and she responded, I think Elisha just kind of stared at her for a second. Anybody ever done that stare or had it been done to you when they know the real answer is there somewhere, and they're just going to wait patiently on you to say, all the parents in the room, like, you know what I'm talking about. You said, like, did you clean your room? No. <laughs> My, my daughter's a little too young for that, but I expect a full dose of it when she's about five. And then she, after the pause, she says, well, I mean, I've got a, a small flask of olive oil. To her, this, this little bottle of olive oil was not enough to impact anything. It wasn't enough to make a difference in her situation, so she didn't even mention it. And it turns out she was overlooking the very thing that God wanted to use for her miracle, the Bible is full of experiences and situations and items that most people deemed as not good enough, insignificant. We would look at that situation and go, that, that means nothing. An axe head, a staff, a slingshot. Think about this for a second. When David walked up to a battlefield with a slingshot in his hand, all, even the people on his own side, his own brothers said, that's, that's dumb, dude. <laughs> I ain't gonna do anything. It's too small. It's not gonna take down this giant. We are, we are shaking in our boots and you're coming at it with a slingshot. But that one insignificant slingshot ended up being the catalyst to make a difference and for the miracle to happen. God specializes in using the insignificant things. And what God has placed inside of you, nobody can take away. Romans chapter 11, verse 29 says this, For God's gifts and his call And his call can never be withdrawn. What you have inside of you, all of us, I believe, all of us have been given something. You have been given a purpose. There's a call. There's a tugging on your heart. You've been given specific gifts and talents, characteristics to your personality. All these things are not by accident. God has given it to us, and whatever he has given to us can't be taken from us. The only way that you cannot use it is either just not use it, let it sit behind you, or you can give it away. But nobody can take it from you. What God has given you, nobody else can take. So the question I want to ask with this is, what are you overlooking in your life? What is it in your life? What are the areas of your life you have glossed over, you have looked past, you have thought, well, that's meaningless, it's insignificant, it disqualifies me, it's not worth anything to reach people or to live this life on mission. It doesn't matter. What is it that you have been overlooking that God wants to use? Number two, get prepared. You got to get prepared. When Elisha uh, asks her to go and get every jar she can find, the word he uses is the Hebrew word for something prepared just something prepared. Again, visual person. I am picturing her knocking on doors. I mean, this is, these are her son's lives at stake. She is knocking on doors. She is finding every vase she has in the house, every jar, every piece of Tupperware and Chinese food takeout boxes. She's emptying them, knocking on neighbor's doors. Do you have a dog food bowl? Anything that I can use to fill up some oil. It didn't have to be perfect. It didn't have, the, have to have the matching lids. It didn't have to be le Cruset or whatever it is. Like, it didn't have to be perfect. It just needed to be prepared. So how did it need to be prepared? It needed to be empty. That was the biggest point. It had to be empty. Think about it this way. For this woman to get the maximum amount of oil, the maximum blessing that was due to her, it couldn't be filled halfway full with chili. Shout out to all the chili cook-off people, right? Like, it couldn't be halfway full of chili, because otherwise, she's only going to get half the blessing. In addition to that, it's going to be tainted with something. She, she could ha- it would have no resale value. If it has salsa in it halfway through, and she tries to, to sell off this salsa-tainted oil, it's not going to work. Sorry, to put it in terms that all of you can understand, I know we are a culture here in the South, in the great city of Searcy, Arkansas. Say you're driving up to Sonic. I know, we used to do, and I'm gonna to get to missions in a little bit later, and so we, whenever we would take mission trips, we would do a Sonic car hop fundraiser. We'd go car hop for tips. And so I've seen some of your orders. I, I never personally worked in the fast food, but I know a lot of you probably have. A lot of you probably do right now. And you see the orders that come in. I guarantee more than a small amount of you have gone up to Sonic and you have ordered a Route 44 Dr. Pepper, easy ice. Like, I don't want as much ice in there. Why? Because the more ice you have in your cup, the less Dr. Pepper you get. And you're trying to pull one over on the Sonic people. And you're trying to say, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to get me. So give me no ice. All Dr. Pepper. It's cold enough, it'll do. But that principle applies to our lives as well. If we are going to God and saying, God, I want the blessing you have for me, but yet we are full with other stuff in our lives, we're not gonna get as much as he wants to give us. God is saying, if you will empty yourself, there are so much. I'm gonna fill you to the brim no matter what, but if you will empty yourself, if you will get rid of the things that are in your life that may be holding you back, or the things you're holding on to, Watch how much more I can give you. John 3.30 says, he must become greater and I must become less. He must become greater. That means less of me in that cup and a lot more of Jesus. We have to say, you know, the things, God, I, I want to be used. I want to be, be able to live on mission. I want to tell people about your good. What you have done in my life, God, is incredible. And I want to be able to give that away. And God's saying, I want to give that to you. If you'll just get rid of of that though. Get rid of that addiction or that anger or that bitterness or whatever this case may be. Get rid of that thing. I can give you that much more. We find ourselves just wanting to hold on to it, though. Saying, I don't know if I can give that up. We gotta give it away. So, what's taking up space in your lives? Number three. Y'all still with me this morning? Number three. Pour it out. So we have, we've we've gotten, we've gathered our jars together, we're, we're using what we have, we've emptied them out. Now comes the hard part for a lot of us. It's an action step that requires a lot of faith, a lot of trust. Maybe it's a high level of risk for you right now. And that's to take the step of actually pouring that. As much potential as that small jar of oil had for this woman. Many many believe, when I was studying this, many believe it may have just been a thing of anointing oil. may not have even been used for cooking at all. So this was obviously something very precious to her. It was sacred to her. And for her to say, I'm just going to start pouring this out and trusting God, was a big step. But the miracle didn't happen, could not have happened, had there not been that act of pouring it out. There has to be an action. If you've heard me speak before, you've probably heard me say this almost in every message because I believe it that much. There has to be an action. Faith without the works part is dead. Those two work together. You can't have one without the other. We have to do something. We have to do our part. Our culture, 2023 Christian culture, sometimes can get so muddy in the fact that I've said the prayer, why is my life not perfect right now? Well, it's not how it works. There is a growing process. There is a a stretching process, and it requires action on our part to pour it out. For this widow, the insignificant amount of oil that she had, it's all she had left. She held on to it because it was precious. Pouring it out would be a risk, and pouring it out may have been out of her comfort zone in that moment. But yet she did it anyway. It begs the question, why? Yes, the oil was precious, but... How much more precious were her sons? Yes, there was risk, but it was worth the risk because of the reward. Yes, it was out of her comfort zone, but she trusted the one who got her to that point that he would see her through to the end. Pouring out what you have, living on mission, living like there's no plan B, it's easy to do those things even the hard things it's very easy to do those things when you know why you're doing it. Those two people I had you think about earlier, for a lot of you maybe they were family members, close friends, coworkers, people you care about. Obviously they probably were if they came to your mind that quickly. Them coming to know who God is and having a real authentic deep relationship with Jesus the way you do, y'all that that's the reward. That's the mission. That's why it's so important. When you realize that souls are on the line, when you understand what it means for your family and others and the ripple effect it can have throughout history, but it requires a step of faith. It requires action. I told you this was kind of a two-parter in one, and I want you to go to Acts chapter 1 with me. I'm going to start landing the plane here in just a little bit. These are the last words that Jesus said before he ascended to heaven. And he gives us this this call to action, this commission, this this way that we can live on mission. He says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. Um, when I was reading this verse, I, I have, I've read this a lot of times. I've, I've taught on it many times to students and college students and adults. And you know, I'm going to get to the part that I've talked about several different times. But when I was rereading it this time, the word witnesses stuck out to me in a big way. I was like, okay, the word witnesses, you, you will be my witnesses. And I, I grew up as a, um, uh, I was a, a son of a cop, okay, for a lot of my childhood. My dad was in law enforcement for a really long time. And so I grew up kind of in that culture with that mindset. Uh, if, the, if, it, if on the TV growing up, it was either cops or Walker, Texas Ranger you know, it was, it was that kind of stuff, you know. So I just grew up around that kind of law enforcement thing. Um, we've all probably seen shows like Law & Order, SVU, or, you know, because it's been on 400 years at this point. We, we kind of get the idea, in this legal proceedings and things like that, one of the things they always say is you want to have a good, solid, credible witness on the stand. If you don't have a good, solid, credible witness, then the case is thrown out and it's not worth a whole lot. What is a witness? A witness is somebody who says, I have seen this with my own eyes. I experienced this thing firsthand. I can attest to what has happened because my eyes have seen it. The witness, uh, the word witness there, the Greek root word, I'm going to get deep for just a second. The Greek root word is "martius." I'm probably mispronouncing that but it literally means a legal spectator, someone who can swear to what he has seen. It's where we also get the English word martyr. In other words, I swear by what I've seen so much that I'm willing to die for it. And a lot of the apostles and disciples did that. I think all of them, but John did it. And he wrote the book of Revelation. So this was a big deal. People ask thousands of years later, Okay. Why is Christianity taken off? Well, it's because these people meant it. They experienced it firsthand. They lived Acts chapter one, verse eight, where it says, you will be my witnesses. True story. Otherwise they probably would not have given their life for it. To live on mission, you have to experience Jesus first. Yesterday, some of you know this, yesterday there was a bas- there was a really important basketball game on if you're an Arkansas fan, you gave up on football five weeks ago. And so we've shifted our attention to basketball. And yesterday, there was an exhibition game in Fayetteville. Did not count against the record. Acted like it never happened when it comes to regular season or anything like that. But there was a big-name team coming to town for it. And it's one of like the number three team in the entire country in Bud Walton Arena. And so, of course, Arkansas fans knowing we have no football team decide hey let's get up for this game place was an exhibition game that doesn't count had 20,000 people in the arena going crazy acting like it's March and I got a chance to go yesterday I had a friend of mine who had a ticket and he said you want to go I was like (laughs) those are my exact words you can quote me I went to the game Y'all, it was so loud in that building. My watch kept going off saying high decibel warning, 10 minutes of this exposed, you're gonna have hearing loss. I'm like, bye-bye ears, because I wanna be here. It was so loud, it was so exciting, it was so much fun. I had a video, but I couldn't get it to load right earlier. But when we took the lead, the place just erupted. You're looking around, you're seeing people just pumping their fists. I I was really worried I would lose my voice for today. I text Lauren, when it went into overtime, an exhibition, overtime, and I text her, I said, we're in overtime, you might have to speak tomorrow because I don't know if I'll have a voice. The experience, it was so good. And some of you watched it on TV. And I can promise you my experience was way better than yours. There is a reason 20,000 people would rather go in that arena and watch that game in person than watch it on TV. Because there's a difference between experiencing something and just watching something. There's a reason football stadiums and the Super Bowl and concerts get sold out. There's a reason Taylor Swift is Taylor Swift. Because people want to be where she's at, they want to experience something. And Jesus is saying if you want to live on mission, you got to experience me first, you got to be a witness. You can't just hear about me. You can't just read about me. You can't just watch a podcast or be part of a Sunday morning experience. you got to take that, yes, and experience me. Because once you experience me, you can't get enough. You can't help but tell other people. You can't help but live it out on your daily life. You can't help but want to go and do and serve and give. And all the things we've talked about all month long. When you have an experience, when you've witnessed Jesus, And this, this echoes out. This, this, this one verse in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 echoes throughout the rest of Acts. Acts chapter 1 through 7, all those things in those seven chapters happen in Jerusalem. Acts 8 through 11, all those things start spreading out into the regions of Judea and Samaria. Acts 12 through 28 starts spreading out into the rest of the world. And we know how it goes from there. You're in this room because that group of believers followed Jesus' instructions. And it's a format he's still calling us to today. This was not just an archaic, one-time thing. This is a format. Jesus was telling people the blueprint to spread the gospel from that moment. So let's talk about these three things, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Jerusalem is our city. It's Circe. It's where you're at right now. I don't know how you got to Cersei. I don't know what path or road. I don't know what winding curve, however many places you used to live, where you would rather live right now than Cersei maybe. I don't care how you got here to where we are. Hold on to those pictures for just a second. I don't care how you got here, but you are here right now for a reason and a purpose. Speaking of Arkansas football, we had a a coach named Chad Morris in church. I said it Um, He had bad coaching philosophy, but he had a really good quote When his first opening meeting with his players, he said I want you to be where your feet are Be where your feet are in other words be present in the moment where you're at right now You're in Searcy or this area right now for a reason Don't wish you were somewhere else. Don't think about where you could be. You're here for a reason, make the most of it. Your family, your job, your school. This city needs you and it needs you right now. You see this picture on the screen? This is a a picture of of some of the people on our outreach team. This was actually taken during Harding Move-In Day. And can you guys do me a favor? Can we put our hands together for Tiffany Yingling? She helps lead our outreach team. Man. She, she took the reins this year, and my goodness, did she run with them. I mean, our outreach team has been so active over the last couple of months, and there's a lot of work to be done in the city. They're working with local nursing homes. They're helping people with storm debris. When the storms came through a couple of months ago and just knocked trees down, they were out there at, at people's houses, chopping down trees, moving in, Harding students. They're partnering with so many local nonprofits to do the things that we can't do. Do you know there are over 200 nonprofits in this area? There's a lot of need. There's a lot of people who are in need, especially right now, this economic climate, a lot of things going on. There is a need. So the, I told you this was a 2 part The second little part is just kind of telling you how you can get plugged in, what it looks like, how you can get involved, what those needs are. So next month is Thanksgiving. Our team's already working on what Thanksgiving looks like. We're partnering with 100 families, great organization. We're partnering with them for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Starting November 1st, you can get a $10 blessing bag at Harps, just 10 bucks, full of food. They're gonna give it to families who are in need in our area. On November 20th through 21st, and we'll, all this stuff, is, you can see it throughout the building, we'll put slides up after service as well. But November 20th and 21st, they're packing up those meals to help hand them out. November 23rd at Daisy's Lunchbox, they're doing those as well. For Christmas, we're collecting wrapping paper and supplies. They've got the gifts and toys already covered, I believe. So we're, we said, what can we do as a church? What can we do? Whatever it is, we'll do it. And they said, well, do you want to take care of the wrapping stuff? We said, absolutely. So gift wrap, boxes, tape, ribbons, all that kind of stuff. We're going to start collecting that right after Thanksgiving. And if you're wearing a red shirt, if you're in the building in here right now, and you're wearing one of our red surf shirts, can you stand up real quick? I'm not, I know not the whole team is. Just a couple of people are. I know Tiffany is. There's Tiffany back there. we got a couple back there. Uh, give it up for these people, by the way. Come on. But if you have if you have any questions about these, talk to somebody wearing one of these red surf shirts and they can either tell you or they'll he'll get you to Tiffany so she can tell you. We want you to be involved this, this holiday season, okay? So we go from Jerusalem, our city, to Judea and Samaria, which is our state and our country. This is this is our region. And I just want you to know this, and if this may strike a nerve with some people, and again, if you're a note taker, this, this is a little tidbit that just really hit home with me when I was preparing this. You have farther reach than you realize. Every one of you in this place have a farther reach than you, than you even realize that you do. We, uh, a couple of years ago, I don't remember about how long Kevin would know, but we, we, we partnered with an organization, I believe they were out west, and we brought them to Arkansas called CityServe. CityServe helps churches. We got them connected here, and since we brought them to Arkansas and started getting the process and the trainings and all that stuff done, there are over 100 churches in the central Arkansas area that are now connected to CityServe. This is not just a New Life Church thing. This is something we're partnering with other churches to do because, like Cass said earlier, we're not the only one here, and we don't need to act like it. CityServe has a warehouse, you see this picture of this warehouse right now, millions of dollars worth of product in this warehouse that goes out those doors on a consistent basis to other churches so they can impact communities in their own cities. We're talking like mattresses, furniture for people's houses that have burned down, food, diapers, clothing, kitchen appliances, a ton of stuff is going in and out. If you're a numbers person, here's some numbers for you. The number of people, this is, Ridiculous. This is the number of people. All of these stats are from just this year up until this point. The number of people CityServe has impacted, 152,518 people. 368 salvations just through this. 297 people baptized. 15,999 people have been prayed for. We should get one more. That's... Over 5,600 volunteers, 22,400 volunteer hours, $7.8 million in resources distributed through local churches in our area. 113 local churches in in Central Arkansas are involved, and we are in 82 cities. Come on, can we put our hands together for that? That's, That's a big deal. You're a part of that. You are a part of that. We're also heavily involved in church planning. You hear us talk all the time. Earlier this year, we took a whole month and gave toward this. We're part of church planning, the Association of Related Churches. New Life Church started that 20-ish years, 21, 22 years ago. New Life gives 2% of our income. Everything that we get, 2% of it goes and we put it into planting churches throughout America. Since COVID, this is heartbreaking. Since COVID, 1,500 pastors per month in America are quitting the ministry. And we want to help turn that tide. Why are they quitting? They're burned out, they're tired. It feels like they're doing everything themselves. And by the way, I know you read the news, you hear the news, you see TikToks, you see all the videos. And I can promise you this, for every church you hear that's messing up, there are thousands of churches getting it right. NLC was, I said, the first to plant an Ark church. We've helped to plant over just shy, of 1,100 churches in America. There have been 40 new churches planted this year. We've collectively given $7 million toward church planting. And listen, Kevin said this, I think it was last week or so. We wanna be an instrumental part in planting a church in Jonesboro. We wanna do that. We believe that that's part of our, as a campus, that is our call, that is our vision. We want to help get it started. We want to send people there. We want to we want to see that thing grow. The third thing is this, the final thing is the ends of the earth, our world. A global reach. Acts 13:47, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the end of the earth. Matthew 24:14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testament, a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. We are a church without borders. It's not uncommon every single month, it's not uncommon. There's a lot of, most of the weeks of the year, a team from New Life Church, one of our campuses, is on a mission trip somewhere, impacting somewhere around the world. 31 teams this year alone are traveling internationally. A lot of you guys know Hong Kong, the Macau area has always been on our heart. I got the chance to go there three or four times. We got to send teams, students going there pre-COVID. Love that area impacted so many people. There are so many people in that area of the world, you would immediately think maybe Buddhism or something like that. The real answer is agnostic. A lot of them have a hard time believing in anything. They're just not sure. So teams like, like us would go and we would just have VBS, just love on people, communicate with people. And you say, well, Craig, you know, you see a picture there? Come on, give it up for my wife, Lauren. She's, uh, she's, she's teaching kids. She's, she's showing that. And you're like, well, Craig, that's, that's a world away. And trust me, it is a long way away. <laughs> that is a long plane ride to get to Hong Kong. So how, how can you make a difference? Well, the impact that we had there, Lauren got very close with a girl named Jana. Like a, a family member to us. She actually came to the States one year and had Christmas with us. That's how close we got with this person. And she, and I could, I could, I know I'm out of time and I could talk for an hour about missions, but one day out of the blue, this was during COVID, Jenna called Lauren and said, Hey, listen, I don't know who else to talk to. So I'm going to talk to you. I have a friend who wants to end it all. She, she doesn't think she has anything to give. She, she wants to end her life. Lauren was able from a world away, 13 hour time difference was able to talk to this girl and help her teach somebody else what life means and what Jesus means. You don't think you have an impact around the world. Our world is smaller than it's ever been before. You have an impact, a global impact. Our church is involved in Cuba, Costa Rica, Guatemala, Purdue. We helped build a Bible school in Peru, in the jungle. You can't, that's the only place you can't get to by plane. In Israel, in Kenya, a lot of places in the U.S., our students have have been taking a a, a trip to Alabama on spring break just to help people, to serve people. And so if you have a heart for people, my challenge is this. Get out of the country. Go somewhere. Our, Our campus, we have, since COVID, we have not taken any international trips. I want that to change personally. So my challenge to you. if you're feeling that tug right now as I'm talking about this, if you feel that little bit of tug, get connected to a trip for 2024. It doesn't have to be with our campus. We're not leading one because we have nobody right now to lead that. But if you say, hey, I wanna I want go on a trip, I will give you links that you can partner with somebody going from a different campus. You can go one, one of those cities I mentioned. Go on that trip, get the passion, come back and lead one in 2025. Lead a team of people, make it a family trip, My goal, I would love to see three international mission trips in 2025. Wherever in the world you feel that tug, that's where we want to go. So I'm going to wrap up with this. Sorry, David, you can't, you know, I just kept going. You came out, gave me the cue. I just kept going. Let me give you some practical application. In fact, you know what? To make you feel better, go ahead and stand. This, This proves that I'm almost done. Go ahead and stand up. Lauren always told me when I did youth ministry, she was, if you make them do something, you better end quick because they're going to get tired. The challenge is this. Be a vessel that God can use. Be a carrier of his love and his hope. So here's the deal. If you can go, go. Wherever in the world that may be, wherever in the country that may be, if it's in our city, if it's being part of something, go. Take a trip next year. If you can't go, then do. If you're like, dude, I can't take a week off work or 12 days off work to go halfway around the world, I just don't have that kind of time or vacation time, then do something. I said earlier, there are needs right here in Searcy. There are needs right here in our community. Do something, get involved, serve, help. If you can't do, then give. I'm not gonna go through a whole new message about giving, but there's a lot of you say, Craig, I can't take that time. My body, I can't really do the things, but my goodness, I want to impact that. Then give something. Anything is important. Two bucks, ten bucks, it doesn't matter. Fund somebody to go to to Rwanda. Fund somebody. Fund a student on spring break trip. Help do something. Give something. And if you can't give, then something we can all do is pray. Say, God, open my eyes to the need. Help me impact somebody around me. We' going to bow our heads. God, thank you. Thank you for this moment that we have.